Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. Hey now, it's the Mike and JD Show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I love that theme song. I, I just, I do. I love it. I mean, there's not a better, <laughs> there's not a better podcast intro theme song in the game. I, I, I think we're the winners right now. Absolutely. I think so. Champions. Hey, um, I want to address something really quick. So it's brought up by our friend Brad in the Fight Game Discord, where I got the the gimmick JD by God Oliva. Um, I got that. I stole that from Don Callis. We explained it to him in the Discord, but I thought just in case anybody else was wondering, uh, Hey Now comes from Howard Stern, which is he sold he stole that from the Larry Sanders show. And um, I have since stolen it from Howard Stern. And then the JD by God Oliva is because that's how Don Callis used to introduce uh, Kenny Omega when he was on Impact as Kenny by God Omega. So uh, I just took it from him. We're thieves. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got it. You like being original is great, but if you could just steal something and make it your own, that's even better. It's much easier. Overrated. Originality is overrated. Yeah. Truly is. <laughs> yeah. But hey, our style seems to be working, man. I want to give a big shout out to the uh, the Mike and JD show, Faithful. I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to listen to us and let us entertain you every week. Um, so for the month of May, we had uh, our one of our episodes was the most downloaded episode for the entire month of May on fight game media. And we're real proud of that. Um, also we had uh, three episodes in the top 10 and then just over the weekend, we had uh, two videos on the fight game media, YouTube uh, from Memorial day weekend that were actually the top two videos. So one being um, one of the ones that we posted last week and then my uh, Steve Macklin video that I did over the weekend. So uh, real proud of that. Uh, thank you guys for uh, supporting the show. Always when you see the Mike and JD show pop up in your Fight Game Media podcast feed, make sure you hit that download button. Um, give us a five-star review. That'd be nice. Um, and then it, go to our YouTube. Make sure you hit the like button and share it with your friends, man. We really appreciate it. Fumi Saito is our rival at this point. <laughs> right, that's that's who we're battling with every week for for love and attention and the adoration of fans across this great land <clears throat> is freaking Fumi Saito. By yeah. the way, I think we're the only show to occupy three spots in the top ten. We had three spots in the yeah. top ten, but I believe we're the only show in the network to have that many shows on the top ten. Period. So yeah, you know, we're tooting our own horn here, and uh, I think we've heard it quite frankly. Well, I, and I want to toot the audience, man. Uh, wait, yes. I'm going to toot the audience. That sounds a little weird, but little I, weird. Want to, I, want to, I want to praise the audience, man, because, you know, we took a big chance, you know, leaving Brace for Impact behind, and it's it's turned out to be a really good thing. Um, since we since we switched over from Brace for Impact to the Mike and JD show, our numbers, and I'll only speak for ourselves, have gone up and up and up, and the overall numbers for the network have gone up and up and up. And uh, we're getting ready to gear up for a big June, and we are the debut episode in June. 
Um, and, um, uh, you know, let's make sure, let's get this thing popping. We're going to continue to try to have uh, more guests on. I think we've got something in the works for hopefully, hopefully next week. We got, well, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to say anything, but, uh, it's just JD and I tonight. Uh, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. JD, you posted your, uh, your newest article. It's been a while since you've written about wrestling, but you did a really cool story about the, uh, not the. The first screw job in not the wrestling. First, the, not the first yeah. screw job. The first but, televised screw job. Yes, the first televised screw job, which just so happened uh, to happen in uh, Chicago. Uh, Chief Don Eagle, why don't you go ahead and give us a little uh, bit of, about that and tell us how they can read it. Well, first, um, I I am not writing for a publication anymore. Um, I'm a big believer in self-publishing. All my books are self-published. All of my future books will be self-published. I just I'm a real I'm a do-it-yourself guy, but I firmly believe in that. So I just decided, um, I decided I'm going to launch my own uh, Substack. So Substack is a nice little um, platform that allows writers to uh, reach out and talk to an audience and basically provide their work and share their work with their audience. And um, I'm on the free platform right now. So if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and, and hitting that subscribe button for me too. I would appreciate that. And I will include the link in the show notes. Thanks, Mike. And so long story short, I'm writing another book. I'm going to, I'm going to stick my nose into the world of nonfiction for the first time. And I have, I've been kicking around this idea for about two years now, probably, probably since the time we started the show, honestly. And, um, I'm going to write about the Chicago territory in the 1950s. It's not going to be a Fred Kohler biography. It's not going to be a biography of anybody. It's really going to be the story of the promotion in the city. Right. And one of the most fascinating stories, and I figured a good way to do this is I'm going to drop little, little snippets from what is going to be the book. Like this is probably going to end up being like six or seven chapters, but I was able to knock out a quick piece on this because um, I just wanted to tell the story. So in 1950, Chicago is like the hub of pro wrestling at this point, thanks to the Dumont network, which was at the time, the second major network after CBS this is pre M this is like pre NBC, pre ABC Dumont is going coast to coast and it's running through Chicago through WGN. And the, one of their top shows in the Dumont network is wrestling for Marigold, which is a, which was an arena in Chicago. And this kind of became the hub for professional wrestling television. It was, it was absolutely huge. So any wrestler that wanted to be something in, in, in the world and the country and get good bookings would have to be on Chicago TV. Now, Kohler, the promoter in Chicago was a member of the NWA. Not everybody was a member of the NWA and Kohler recognized Luthez as his champ. And he did not recognize, um, Paul Bowser's champion, the, the original AWA in Boston. And, um, so the champion was going to have a match in Chicago and uh, he would not be recognized as a champion, but he would be on their television. And Kohler was having problems with the NWA. You, and my story gets into detail with it. So what happens? He has a match with a guy, a guy named uh, chief Don Eagle, legitimate native American, uh, native first, not native American first nations. He was Canadian um, was a legit guy. He's 25 years old, super athletic, long, tall, kind of a swimmer's build, and, and, you know, really talented dude. Like, and he's having a match with Gorgeous George on Chicago TV. And there's best two out of three falls. You know, he uh, Eagle wins the first fall with a submission. Then he takes a Cactus Jack-style bump into the crowd, loses the second fall on um, countout. And the third one, Gorgeous George kind of locks up a leg lock on him and then kind of leans into it. Referee counts one, two. Eagle puts his shoulder up. He hits three. 
And then Don Eagle gets up. He's like, what the fuck? And George looks at the referee and was like, yeah, what the fuck? So uh, what happened was Kohler screwed him. Kohler, because he was having problems with the NWA and he was having problems with, with other ter- with other promoters invading his town, he wanted to make sure that their champion lost on his television program, which meant because KFA was super strict and he had to be here at the time that the title – even though it wasn't technically defended, it was never announced as a title match. Don Eagles never announced as the world heavyweight champion, but because Gorgeous George beat him on TV, the old AWA, not the Vern Gagne AWA, that comes later, had to re- had to acknowledge this title change on because it happened on TV. So I just thought that was an absolutely fascinating story. As I said, I got real granular with it in my sub stack. It's the first story. I'm going to put one story out per week. I'm going to try to mix in some, some of the newer stuff with some old stuff that I might've written over the years that people might've missed. But yeah, man, that's uh, this is, these are the cool little nuggets of history that you can find if you, if you just dig a little bit. And I just, I love shit like that. Yeah, me too. And I'm really just so fascinated by, not the territory days. When I think of the territory days, I think of like the seventies and the eighties. Yeah. That's what I think of in the territory days. But this is like the golden years. And actually, I used to have a DVD. I don't think I have it anymore. About the golden age of wrestling. And the golden age of wrestling is they would talk about, you know, wrestling from the Marigold in Chicago because you had Don Eagle, you had Gorgeous George, you had all 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 these, you know, Pat O'Connor, Buddy Rogers, Gagne. all those. Yeah, all those folks would be coming through there, and that was the golden age of wrestling. And it's such a fascinating thing because they had to play it like it was real, Mm -hmm. right? Like if because they felt and like you know obviously you know fifty years later, it all changed. You didn't really have to play like it was real, but back then they felt like if they yeah back then they felt like if they didn't play it like it was real, then nobody was going to come and show up to the shows, right? And you know, newspaper articles would come out exposing wrestling and people kind of were in on the idea, but the wrestlers and the promoters had to, had to, you know, basically kayfabe all the time is very strong back then. So whenever, you know, gorgeous George won the title, they had to treat him as if he were the champion. Of course, you know, he, he, I think he goes back to what, uh, he went back to Boston and ends up losing the title back to uh, Don Eagle, right? To Don Eagle. Don Eagle wins it in Cleveland because Don Eagle was suspended because he beat the shit out of the referee. Like, he <laughs> yeah. beats, and like, and I include the, the actual match because it was on TV. Oh, I yeah. include the match in the article. So you can actually watch the match. You can hear Russ Davis, the, the commentary, like, uh, we got to go because there was a, it was a minor, there was a minor riot that happened. And Eagle, like I said, beats the snots out of the ref, was fined. I think it was $400, which is not like 5,000. I did the inflation calculator. It's like five grand today's money for doing this. And was yeah. suspended legitimately for 60 days. So they had to wait till Eagle was off suspension. And they eventually trade the title back. He gets back from, um, from George. But of course that's never on, on Kohler's TV. No, right. That didn't, yeah. he, he just wanted to prove his point that if you think Don Eagle's the champ, well, you saw him losing on my TV. So how can he really, how can he be the champion? So, I mean, like what a scummy it, business it is, but at the same time, he's like Kohler's point of view is I am giving everyone's wrestlers all these exposure and making mm-hmm. a booking fee off them. Why are you allowing someone else to run shows in my territory? And the reason was because yeah. they thought they thought Kohler was too powerful. Tons of mm-hmm. and this is what's fascinating about us. Just the politics. Like this is like real wrestling politics. It's like, why are you letting this dude run? And because again, like guys like Jim Cornell talk about how how good the NWA working territory is. 
No, it's bullshit. The territory system was a house of cards from the moment it was set up. And people were constantly, constantly trying to invade other territories, constantly trying to weasel a territory out from underneath somebody. Like what Vince Mc... The only thing that Vince McMahon did that nobody else could do is he just did it right. Yeah. Right? He just did it better than everybody else. Like, it's just... These stories are fascinating. And then again, from, from the get-go, because this is 1950, this is two years after the foundation of the NWA, and it's already a mess. It's already a mess. <laughs> well, so... But they... Like pro wrestling had been a mess for 50 years prior to that. Did oh, you yeah. ever read uh, Fall Guys, The Barnums of Bands? I, I have read Fall Guys, and that's what's cool is The Fall Guys is a great is a great piece on the early days, like the Gold Dust yeah. Trio days. And then like you have books on like I just read Blood and Fire, the Sabu book. I'm sorry, books with the Iron uh, the Sheik. No, geez, the, the Sheik original book, Sheik. the original, yeah, the original Sheik, Sheik. Book, Pardon me. Yeah. And like you know, read Death of the Territories and like. The 70s and the 80s and the 90s are pretty well covered, but the golden era of wrestling, when it was at its most popular, not the 90s, not the 80s, it was the 50s, mm -hmm. there's not a lot out there. Surprising. No, yeah, surprising because there's so much good footage. It's actually like like audio and visual wise, you know, it's black and white, but it's still like really good footage. Like it, mm -hmm. um, the matches, you know, if you're only know about modern wrestling, the matches are probably not going to be that appealing to you. I happen to enjoy stuff like that. So I, I like to see stuff like that. But, and it's a different um, kind of show. They didn't run a lot of angles and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's really match by match. And then later in the later years, you really start getting more promo time, but those, a lot of the guys treat the promos pretty seriously. So it's a very different presentation of wrestling. But it's the foundation of everything. And Kohler was different than a lot than like Mushnick or these guys who were so serious. Like Kohler wanted gimmicks on his TV. Yeah. Like he loved your your Fritz von Eriks and your, you know, uh, um uh geez, I can't think of it at the moment, like um the big guys and like he wants he wanted dudes with larger than life personalities because he thought he knew that's what drew your gorgeous Georges, right? So again, it's just um I don't know, it's a fascinating story. I really like telling it, and there's so much more to get into so if, if this is the kind of thing that you're into if you just want to learn about something please check out the Substack. notes are going to be attached to the show we'll also have them attached to uh the youtube video so you can click on that yeah. and I, i'd really i'd really appreciate your patronage yeah free. yeah let's let's yeah free so it costs you nothing i i read i read the article today Thank just you. before we went on the air yeah because i wanted to make sure that i i could speak intelligently on it so i, I read it just before we came on the air and took me 10 15 minutes uh, and I learned a lot within that 10, 15 minutes because I knew a little bit about that story just because I know a little bit about uh, I know a little bit about a, a lot of history. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the reason why I said that wasn't the first screw job is because the first one is detailed in the Fall Guys book. And that's the Ed Strangler Lewis one mm -hmm. where he gets bit on his arm and then um the uh oh, the, the guy bites himself on the arm and then he shows the referee hey strangler bit me and uh wrestling the the commissions were real back then so they had to stop the match they had to give the title over to his opponent i can't remember who the opponent was it's been a long time since i read that book um and but that was the impetus of jim Cornette uh read that book and that was his idea for the montreal screw job with bret hart and Shawn michaels the whole thing is just a, fa a fascinating um big chicane Dick Shecat, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all, all that stuff. I read the Gorgeous George book. I recommend everybody go out there so and read those things. The the history of wrestling um, is quite fascinating. It's a scummy, scummy business, and I and I love it. I love so, it so much. <laughs> so great. This yeah, is why. But, this is why I don't shed tears over people getting mad about CM Punk throwing a chair. 
Yeah, yeah. I I I don't care about it. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. But hey, um so one of the things that kind of came out of uh pro wrestling this weekend and it was kind of like there's a conversation happening on Twitter and on a couple of different discords and I thought it'd just be interesting for us to talk about is I watched Double or Nothing. I liked Double or Nothing, but I did feel like Double or Nothing was probably the most WWE style pay-per-view that they have done. Um, that was just my opinion watching it. I mean, they had like three or four ref bumps. They had, you know, tons of gimmicks out there. Um, you know, I, I'm just not used, to, I'm not used to seeing AEW do that. And, um, I don't know. It, it's been kind of a criticism that's been loft, uh, lobbied on them, whether it's valid or not, is AEW becoming more sports entertainment. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's very, very overblown. I think people are starting to, I think this promotion looks a little bit more WWE like than it did a few years ago, mainly because there's a lot more people from WWE have jumped over. Um, I would like to remind you that this, the very first match in this company's existence featured a battle Royal where we had one guy with no legs and <laughs> Jimmy Havoc stapled a cigarette to Joey Janelle's forehead. Mm -hmm. And like, this is part of what we have here. I would actually argue that all out 2020 Max uh, MJF's first match against John Moxley was far was just as if not more WWE esque because that's also yeah. where we got the super over dramatic breakup of Omega and uh, mm -hmm. Cameron Page. If you, I mean, I believe that was there was that Revolution. I can't remember, but it was that Revolution. first. It was Revolution. No, they broke with a breakup where they lost the belts. Oh, the them. breakup. Uh, okay, uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting FTR more first time. Yeah, yeah, but that was pretty. That's early days of the pandemic, and we kind of forget about those things. But this promotion's always been very WWE like. Now, I think this, I think this particular show was more overbooked. There were more gimmick matches and stuff like yeah. that. But that's not W, like that's not WWE. That's just wrestling. Like sometimes wrestling gets overbooked. Like that's like more TNA than anything. I, I was about to say, yeah, with the the constant ref bumps, like. You know, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I still liked the TNA title match with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal challenging oh, that FTR, was great. That but was that great. was very much a TNA title match, 100%. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, with Karen Jarrett hitting Aubrey and Aubrey doing her melodramatic fall onto the ground, and mm -hmm. I loved the whole thing. I loved everything about it. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. I think if if anything, um, I, some of the production stuff that they might be doing because they brought over one of Kevin Dunn's disciples. Um, might might be leaning over to it, but they're still not doing the this zoomy camera cut nonsense that they had done before. Um, but I, I think I think that's the reason is because a lot of the the type of screwy finish type of stuff that they did at Double or Nothing. Yeah, and there there weren't a lot of screwy finishes. Like we got a pretty well, like just we got an M cheating, we got an MJ to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some heat, and we how many matches did we see then? pretty much just the Jarrett match, right? Like the, the anarchy in the arena was what it, I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just well, chaos. And that's been well, part Jarrett, of this company Jarrett, from the get go. The Jarrett well, thing. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The Jarrett match had the ref bump with Aubrey. You had, I did believe you, didn't you have a ref bump in the Jericho Cole match? I believe you had one in there. I could that be was wrong. A bad match. I don't I, and that was, a, yeah, that, that was not good. And then of course, anarchy, the referee was bleeding in that one, but you, mm -hmm. you kind of expect that. So I think that's what people are talking about is like his AEW leaning more into the WWE stuff. But I think that your argument would be that they might be leaning more into TNA. <laughs> I think you, they would be. Let me think about it. I think they're feeling more like TNA than they do WWE because 
I think people are freaking out because this is the this is what people don't want to say is the production AW looks a lot better since Rob Mansory or since uh his name Rob I forget Mansory came over from WWE. Yeah, it looks better. I would say, like I would say the audio cheap. has not improved. The audio has not improved. Yeah. There's times when yeah, I'm watching that show, especially in yeah. the beginning, I can't hear a damn thing that Excalibur is saying because the yeah, mix is just that. awful. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they keep that part of the game out yet. Um, that's something I don't get. But production wise. The production's a lot cleaner. They've upgraded. They're spending a lot more money. Which, when you when something looks cleaner, we say, "Oh, that looks like WWE," which just means you can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look. One one thing that I think people need to realize is that not everything WWE does is bad. I they they are the Death Star. They're the Evil Empire. I get it, but they do have some good ideas. <laughs> so if they have good ideas and you're kind of a fledgling company looking for your foothold in the industry and you're trying to get that next television deal, you might want to adopt those good ideas and having a cleaner production is a good idea. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. Lighting lights, lights yeah. are good. Light. Like yep. it's, I don't know. It is. They've upgraded their camera. They've upgraded a lot of graphics package stuff. Like, it just looks better. It doesn't look like WWE. We're not doing augmented reality stuff. Like they're not doing the snap zooms. Like you said, it just yeah. looks cleaner. Now, if you didn't like the matches and stuff like that, that's, you know, that's to, to each their own. Like, and there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, WWE, it's just so bad all the time. And like, how can you not call this bad? I saw people were getting on Dave for being, not being so harsh on WWE. It's like, well, they're up by every metric. Like how can you, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, it's, it doesn't do it for me as a fan, but I can't sit there and say that it's bad. It's just not for me because like it's serving an audience and it's serving an audience that's grown over the last yeah. year. So if you don't like it, I get it. I mean, I don't like it, but you can't sit there and say, well, you gotta be, Dave's gotta go harder on people. It's like, well, I mean, he can sit there and say, but it's working. Cause at the end of the day it is. And now people like going here, well, to build a, to build a double or nothing was shit. It's like, okay, I didn't like it either. But it drew, and you're like, "Well, I was gonna watch it anyway." Well, that doesn't fucking matter. That it just fucking it just <laughs> proves that builds don't yeah. matter, and this might be, yeah. make a lot of people bitter. If you didn't like the build and bought the show, clearly you didn't hate it that much. I didn't love the build, mm -hmm. but I was still gonna watch the show, right? So you gotta start thinking about stuff. I do yeah. have a theory because you hear that that the the theaters were up, but a little bit, and the um, home. And the home, uh, the the pay per view, like stay, cable stay box the same. numbers, or down, like down a little bit. I have a theory. He said, he said 05 percent. I five percent. The same, yeah. About the same. I have a theory because I wanted to watch the show but didn't want to spend the money, so I went to the theater where it was cheaper. Yeah, I think there could be a correlation there. People would be more because he said the theaters were up, so there mm -hmm. might have been more people that just wanted didn't, that wanted to see the show but didn't want to spend the money on their own. So you know anecdotal evidence yeah. but anecdotal evidence is what it is i just i think we have to understand that like just because something didn't 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 hit us the way you like it doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure it doesn't also mean that you know it's going to work every time if you you can get away with the bad build here and there but then you gotta if it continues you're you're gonna decline but i mean like clearly it wasn't it wasn't so bad that it turned off the paying customer the only match that I felt like had a bad build was the four pillars match. I just, it and I knew that match was going to be really good. I just mm -hmm. didn't care about it. Right. Um, and I, I, and I watched it and I was like, uh, and I knew that going into it, 
it was going to be very good. And speaking of TNA, it really just reminded me of like an old X division match. If they actually gave them some time and treated Mm -hmm. them with a little bit of dignity, right. Treated them as if they were big stars, which TNA Mm -hmm. didn't really do a lot of times with their X division. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me. They hit every fucking move in the book, which is, Mm -hmm. which that's AEW. You're going to get that. Um, And I, I really enjoyed the match, but uh, the story, I just, I just didn't care about. I kind of liked that They just moved on from it. They didn't really extend it off on uh, dynamite. They, you know, they did some recaps, but they didn't really, they're not really sticking with that uh, four pillar story. Those guys have already kind of moved on to other stuff, which I appreciate because I was not into it. I I think everyone, I think everyone's on the same page. They're just, it just didn't click the way we wanted to. We got a good match out of it. We built for the future. I love the finish with Max beating Darby one more time with the headlock. Right? Yeah. Man, my kid was pissed off. Ooh, heat. Heat. My, like, he looked at me and goes, Dad, I'm going to go to AEW someday and I'm going to beat MJF for the title. And I'm like, you don't want MJF <laughs> to hold that thing for another 20 years, my man. That's going to be that's going to be awful. So, but I mean, it's... uh. He got heat with my kid. Like it's, it's that was a very TNA match, but it's like it was like this is what TNA could have been if yeah. they'd have let and things play out. When I say it was a TNA match, I, I, I'm saying that in a good way. And I know that anytime anybody brings up TNA, it's always a negative fashion because TNA f- failed ultimately, and TNA had a lot of bad stuff, but they had a lot of good stuff too. And I they think. Did. Just like we were talking about WWE doesn't always do everything bad. You can adopt those good things. I think Tony Khan has adopted some of the good things that TNA did and kind of um, into his vision behind it and have done some of that stuff with AEW. And he's got Jeff Jarrett right there with him. And I, mm-hmm. and he's got, you know, Christopher Daniels who was in TNA. So they got this on the creative team. So they got a lot of people that, that have, you know, those connections. So it makes sense. Uh, one thing I wanted to just address really quick is – this notion that you can't criticize AEW. That is the dumbest thing uh, that I've ever heard saying that you cannot criticize AEW. Let me tell you, not only can you criticize AEW, you can criticize WWE. You can criticize Impact. You sure as hell better be criticizing MLW and NWA. You can criticize New Japan, NOAA, AAA, All Japan. You can criticize anybody that you want. But when you do that, you have to understand going in, when you hit send on your dumbass tweet, you have to understand that there's people that are passionate about that product that are probably going to come after you. And it's up to you whether or not you're willing to accept that, right? So if if you're going to be a pussy about it afterwards, mm-hmm. then no, maybe no, you cannot criticize AEW because you don't have what it takes to be able to do that. And you can't hold your own in a valid argument. You just hit tweet and then you just say, oh, well, you guys are too sensitive. No, that's not the case. Because now you started a debate and now you're backtracking and then you're going to, you know, and I'm talking about Matt Coon, by the way, of course, I'm talking about Matt Coon and the idiot Raj Geary from Wrestling Inc. You know, they, they had this whole thing. Of course, I didn't listen to their podcast, by the way. I would never do that. I have dignity. But they, they, yeah, no, but, but they had this headline saying, you know, can you not criticize AEW? Yes, you can. But it's up to you whether or not you're willing to deal with some of the backlash, right? Because it just like, just like if you criticize the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to have a dipshit Dallas Cowboy fan in your mentions, right? It's just the way that it is. You say anything political, you're going to have somebody on the opposite side getting into your mentions. You have to know that going in when you hit send. If you can't take that, then no, you cannot. You need to just keep your mouth shut. On the flip side of that, you have to understand who's doing the critiques. Like, 
I think if Dave does critiques, you should listen to him because the man's been around and you might not agree with everything he has to say. And that's the thing about a critique. A critique isn't set in stone. It is it is yeah. an opinion. And your opinion can be, I just don't like it. And that's fine, but that's not a critique. That's, I don't like this. Like, you have to, like, if you critique something, you have to talk about what works and what didn't. And what didn't work isn't, I don't like that, or that is stupid, or that's not the way it's done. You have to say why this doesn't work. And again, you can take that criticism and go, that's bullshit. I think I hear like the Fightful podcast. I think they're all garbage. So I don't listen to them anymore. Right. right. I think there's so many bad faith critics on there. Like people who are convinced that Chris Jericho should go away. And it's like, really? Man still yeah. saw the man move gets quarter hour bumps. The man freaking moves merchandise and people sing his song every time he comes in the building. Why would you get rid of it? Because you know, because you can't separate your personal feelings from a criticism. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And that's not what that is not what people who are in our position are supposed to do. We hosted a, a, a an impact podcast for over two years and I was hard on impact a lot of those times. Right. And I think none of it was because, Oh, I just don't like this and this. Like I backed up what I, I feel like I backed up what I had to say. And there are people who didn't like yeah. what I had to say a lot of the time to be quite frank with you, but um, I don't care. Yeah. Well, and you there are bad faith actors out there yeah, that are tons. saying things just to rile people up online. Matt right? Coon. Matt Coon being one of them, and that guy, Alfred guy. I think Raj Geary is one of those guys too. Mm -hmm. I think he gets a little liquored up and he just tries to gaslight people into getting into arguments with them, and then he starts mm -hmm. deleting all of his tweets. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got you got bad faith actors, and then you got other guys who are just like nitpicky people and by nature. Some of mm -hmm. them work for this podcast network, right? And and they you do, said it, not, not me. I, no, and I and I hey, look and I I love I love John LaRocca, I love Paul oh. Fontaine, I love Jeff Hawkins. Those are my friends. But yeah. they, when you watch it in depth, you're naturally going to nitpick it. Guess what? I did the same thing with Impact for two I years. Had to. I nitpicked the hell out of it because I'm watching it so in depth. When you have a podcast, you tend to do that, um, and so people take those guys as if they are being bad faith. Well, and actually they're, they're just, they're nitpicking it because it's kind of just in their nature to do that. Cause they have, they have podcasts where they got to talk about this stuff. So they're probably overanalyzing a lot of it. JD and I aren't really doing that right now, which is why you're not seeing that on our feed because we're not really watching anything in depth enough to be able to overanalyze it on a podcast. I'll be honest. I watched most of dynamite. There are some segments that come up that I didn't care about. Guess what I did hit the fast forward button, right? Um, I don't, I, I only watch the, the big WWE shows. I only watch, I watch night of champions. And before that I hadn't watched a single show until I'd seen backlash before that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not analyzing in depth their stuff. So you're not going to hear me nitpicking the product a little bit. And I got to tell you, it feels pretty damn cool. It feels free to not be overanalyzing and nitpicking, but I, I, I get what they're doing. Um, but what I will say, and you know, some, you know, advice that I'm just going to give to to anybody, to our friends or to to our enemies or to to anybody else. Um, just never try to make it personal, right? Like, don't don't ever make a personal, don't ever make a critique on a company as a personal attack on their fan base, and that's when you start to lose people, right? That's when people are like, okay, well now you're just an asshole. Uh, and I'm not saying anything about anybody specifically, but I, I think when you start to venture over into that, it's like, oh, you guys are just losers because you like this, right? That's when you start to lose people. And then it's like, well, then nobody really wants to hear what you have to say. Well, like um, and I think people, people like calling people who like the CM Punk entrance from last year, masturbating dorks in their basement. 
Like you shouldn't yeah. do that to a fan base. That's yeah. not a good thing. Oh, okay. No, no. That's just that's pick. when you're just that's when you're that's when you're going from criticizing what you find you criticizing what you like on television, right? Cause that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a goddamn TV show. We're criticizing what we like on TV. You're going from that to basically criticizing the people that watch that. And then once you do that, then that's when you start to lose people. And I would right, say, don't, don't do that. Keep it, keep it to the television. At that point, you're nothing more than a troll account we see on Twitter, right? Like the AEW botches, right? Something like that. Like like these people that just, they live to troll people. And I I, I joke with you because I say you like to troll people because you like to, you like to have fun. But I mean, like, there's a difference between having some fun and and that being your entire online presence. I like to tweak my, I like to tweak my friends that are super hardcore AEW fans. Um, And there's a couple of them in the Discord specifically. Dr. Preet and Larry. I like to just tweak them a little bit because, you know, because, and they're my friends and they know what I'm doing. They know I'm just busting their chops because I think that if, if, and these guys aren't like this, they're actually getting to where they actually do criticize the promotion. But I always felt like if you, if you like a hundred percent of a wrestling show, a hundred percent of the time, um, you're not really capable of critical thought, right? Like, like you can't like everything that they do, like in everything they do can't be praised because if you only ever praise what they do, um, and then it sucks, they'll never get better, right? You got to mm-hmm. have criticisms out there. If you, if you like it, say you like it. If you don't like it, say you don't like it, but don't feel like you have some type of blind loyalty to, to like a wrestling show, right? Um, you wouldn't do that with sports, right? Like I could tell you when the 49ers suck, I, I, I do it every football season. And honestly, it's quite unhealthy, but, but you know, don't, don't treat your, don't treat your pro wrestling uh, like it, you know, like it's some, you know, higher power or something like that. Like they're not infallible. Okay, guys. Definitely the higher power. That was a terrible angle. Um, <laughs> yeah. I no, I agree. And I think that you're either, you're either blindly following or you're not paying all that much attention to it. Right. Yeah. Which is fine. Cause if you're not paying attention to it, you probably shouldn't, get on people who are paying attention and i'm believe me i'm guilty like if i'm if i'm not talking about something that means i probably wasn't paying attention and i thought dynamite was a good show last night but i even said oh this hook this jungle boy thing (laughs) i thought that was bad (laughs) like but i thought it was i thought it was a pretty good show in the whole last night but yeah nothing is perfect everyone especially if you're in an artistic endeavor everything can and needs to get better you should be trying to yeah. get better. We're not trying to get better, us included. There's been times yeah. I've looked at you and said, "This show wasn't very good tonight." You know, not lately, but no, been doing great. <laughs> there's hey. been times I've been like, "Ah, it wasn't good." Hey, uh, I don't want to stay on AEW for too long. I only got one more AEW topic, and then we got we got WWE stuff to talk about. Got some Impact stuff and some NWA stuff before we close it out. But uh, you know. Is MJF's title reign, is this just one big, long audition for WWE? I don't think so. I think he's signed long-term with the company. You think so? hmm I do. Because um, what, what have you thought about his, his title reign up to this point? Oh, it's been remarkably boring. Um, I, the, the matches, okay, <clears throat> MJF has this weird thing where he's tricked everybody into thinking he's just like a vocal guy, like he just does promos and he can't really wrestle. And I think we've all kind of come on board with the fact that it's not been, that's not true. I don't know if it ever was true, but his matches in this title reign have been good. The The, the, the Iron Man match with Danielson was an all-timer. I, you might, from our, from our BFI days, I hate multi-med matches. Yeah. I love the four-way. I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. Yeah. Every time Max is on TV. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I wouldn't have booked it, 
right? Like it's just Mike, Mike, Mike's in control. I wouldn't have booked the four way. Nope. I hate four ways for the title. If you want to yep. do a four way for a number one contendership, occasionally go ahead. Whatever. But four way for the title, I think is pretty lazy. Um, mm-hmm. And I just didn't like the story. And honestly, I love the match with Danielson. I didn't like that story going in. I really, I just didn't, I, I don't know. I just didn't care. Right. The, the story that I've liked the most with, with him is, well, CM Punk, Punk. right? Like that was probably the most perfect, you know, art. Like you did a hell of an article about it too, right? That was like one of the most perfectly told pro wrestling stories that there's ever been. Um, outside of that, I mean, he did, like I thought he captured, you know, my attention with the Wardlow stuff, and then you know his shenanigans killed the whole thing. But I, I, I just I have not been a big fan of this title reign. And if if he is signed long term, I you know great. But if he's not, I, you know, I'm like, I'm almost at the point where I'm just like, you know, just let let MJF go, uh, oh. go, go break the record. Go, go let MJF uh, feud with the bloodline a little bit. I would be perfectly fine if he left AEW. Um, I don't think he is. I think him and Tony Khan have, have a thing set up. I, I think his, cause we talk about, we just talked about the, the overwhelming, the um, hardcore AEW fans and how easy it is to needle them and getting heat is hard these days. So I think MJF's idea to get heat is to talk about him liking WWE because that will make the AEW fan base hate him. Um, I thought it was a good idea at first, but after damn near a year of this stuff, I'm, I'm over it, man. Like I'm, I'm over it. Like it just, it nothing on TV does anything for me that he does anymore. Like I find his act to be very played out. I can, I think he's a fantastic wrestler. I really do. I think he's a great promo. I think he is not doing a fantastic job in this. I don't think his feud with, I think his instincts are kind of, are very WWE to me, like more so than anybody else's in this company. Oh, yeah. Like I think the first Moxley feud was awful. The Cody feud was great, but it came to this weird conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Where we just feel like, okay, this will pick up someday. Well, maybe not, you know, um, it was weird. It just, a lot of his stuff doesn't, quite click and we know he has a lot of control over the stuff that he does so it's kind of on him like i do think he's long term in this company i think that despite what he says i think he does want to be one of the guys that's all that's in this company for a long time but i'm kind of over it personally yeah yeah me too um switching over to wwe which is actually connected to aew um man we might man we one of these days, we're going to get thirty-seven minutes and in thirty-seven minutes and thirty-nine seconds. Um, Mike and JD have to eat a little bit of shit. <laughs> so WWE, yeah, WWE uh, cited AEW's rumored two hundred forty oh. million a year TV deal in their um, in their response to MLW's lawsuit as an effort to get the uh, the lawsuit thrown out of court. Um, and now MLW has to respond. Um, so about that TV deal, <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer said that it's probably not the case and it doesn't look like it's a, it doesn't look like it's a billion dollars. Uh, if, if they even get a new TV deal, they're still, they're still talking. Brandon Thurston said that he didn't believe that it's anywhere near that. Um, they might be working off that old deal and then they got their one year extension and then they'll probably be negotiating after, at the end of that one year, man, we did a whole video. <laughs> and we were and we were we were pretty all all in pun intended on uh, AEW getting this billion dollar TV deal and it wasn't anything that we were just making up like 
it was out there. Wade Keller did a whole article about it, right? He so didn't did say Dave. he was report. Dave did it. Everybody was doing it. And we had a friend that was telling us like, yeah, man, it's, this is it. This is a done deal. And the friend wasn't Ryan. Frederick, it's not Ryan Frederick. Ryan stop, Frederick. Stop picking is, on Ryan. Yeah. Ryan gets this unnecessary abuse. He's hearing the same stuff. We all are. He just got the balls to say, Hey, this is what I heard. You and I just yeah. sit there and cower and shrug our shoulders. Like, you know, we, well, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not scoops guys. We're not no. journalists. We don't know how to no. do that. So we just no. don't, <laughs> so but, we don't. you know, once, once enough people were talking about it and it was online, we went ahead and we talked about it too. It was like, yeah, look, we heard the same thing. And I think Joe Lanza was talking about it on voice of the wrestling. He's like, yeah, I heard the thing too. So, mm-hmm. um, um, but you know, you know, we did a whole video about it. It's it's not a done deal. It doesn't look like that deal is going to get made anytime soon. If it does get done, and if it does, it might not be two hundred forty million a year. That's a hard TV deal to get. Um, so, um, but we're, might, you know, but I don't. But, I mean, man, I was go ahead. No, I don't. It hasn't happened yet, right? So it's not like it. Yeah. it we're talking about like, oh, that didn't happen. I, they're still under a contract like somehow somehow and again our source we got this from is solid like they don't get stuff wrong ever and this was one it's like wow how did this happen like so i think it's a i do think it's a possibility but i do think that with what wbd has done in the last year and i said it on this show i said it's weird because they've been in cost-cutting mode all year to yeah. sit there and throw out this offer and to basically throw away the contract before it expired. I said, that's weird, but I felt I bought into it too. So I mm-hmm. do think they're going to pick up the option here. Cause why wouldn't you, why wouldn't they pick yeah. up the option here? They're going to pay well, more, but yeah. why wouldn't they? Well, because each year it escalates and I think they're paying more mm-hmm. per hour than they did the year before. And I think that's what they're paying for a collision. Now we're just speculating. So don't go reporting that uh, two buttheads, Mike and JD were saying, this is what this is. No, no we're just listening. We just listen to the podcast and we just try to interpret what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I will, I will say, man, I was, I was a firm believer that this deal was going down and that two weeks ago when collision was getting announced, we were getting that new TV deal and it just never happened. And I've been waiting to even address it on this show because I was like, maybe it'll just come true. Maybe it'll just come true. Well, um, Brandon Thurston and Dave Meltzer saying it ain't happening anytime soon. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we might as well address it this week. Um, the funny thing is, is that WWE put it in their lawsuit as if it were fact. Now get this. So this whole thing, started um because you know ryan was talking about it on a message board voices of wrestling had picked it up other sites like us and and others dave and wade and all these other guys pick it up and then cultaholic cultaholic a i believe they're a uk i don't know if they're uk based i don't know i shouldn't say that they're they're just an aggregate website they don't really have stories. They just, they're just one of those websites that like they aggregate a story and they just put a really nice graphic together with the headline on it. And then they link it to their story, which is a copy and paste from another website. That's what they do. And more power to them. If you can make money doing that, go for it. Um, so they, they screenshotted the cultaholic website, which was an aggregate story of what they heard on Wade Keller's podcast or wait, they, they, they read from Wade Keller's site. And they used that as a fact that, <laughs> that AEW had a $240 million a year TV deal on the table. And that's why they're not a monopoly. So therefore MLW is bullshit. Now they might be right about that. MLW is bullshit part, but, uh, I, man, I you one would think that MLW has good enough lawyers to be able to call bullshit on that article, right? No, 
<laughs> no. Is ML is MLW just getting grifted here by these lawyers? They're like, yeah, we'll take your money, court, no problem. I think that's exactly. I don't know if grift. I don't know if grifted, but I think you're. All lawyers think they can make a case, right? Every yeah. lawyer, like these are people that live to argue. Like, like that's what you have to be to be a lawyer. So, I don't think it's crazy to. I mean, especially if some of the. I'm not a legal guy, man. I don't know enough about the law. But I mean, if the stuff with Stephanie is accurate that she pressured to be into dropping and, you know, we both know, we both know that the, the reels thing was just terrible timing for MLW. Yeah. It was a case of maybe the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Like that's just bad timing. However, conspiracy theory time. Where did that number come from? That's the thing. Um, and we had talked about it when the f- number first came out and you and Brian Alvarez. Brian, I stole it from Brian. That that maybe WWE was leaking this through back channels, um, and now it, so that was the theory before this amended lawsuit came up. The WWE had leaked it, and they sure enough they use those exact numbers, the 1.2 billion over five years. They use those exact numbers in their lawsuit um, again, or in their response to the MLW lawsuit. I'm not saying WWE did it. I'm not saying they absolutely did it, but I wouldn't put it past them either. There's a, no, there's people that came out and say, oh, this number isn't coming from WWE. It isn't coming from WWE. Where did it come from? Yeah. How is this so wrong? Like, it was just people filling it. Was it just people filling in the blanks? I mean, it was uniform. Like, this number was floated uniform. And we had it a good week or so before everybody else did. Right? Yeah. So I just keep... It's just a win- It's just such an interesting coincidence. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just such an interesting coincidence. I just... Where did this number come from? And I'm, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think any one of us knows. I mean, like, and I don't even want to ask our guy because I'm not expecting him to outsource us, you know? Yeah. But where did it come? I just, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. And and maybe, you know, it might just very well be they're going to wait till the end of this option year. And that's what the number is going to be. Good. Possible. I mean, that that very well could be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Um, sticking with the WWE topics. Man, Cody lost again over the weekend. Um, now, they they gave him every out in the book, right? They gave him the old, this is a Dusty Rhodes angle. They broke his arm before the match. Therefore, he should have never been allowed to wrestle. He goes in his match with Brock Lesnar, um, and the match was okay. Brock Lesnar beat him. Um, and now it looks like Cody is uh, challenging him to a dog collar match um, at the next uh, premium live event. But, you know, it's like he's, he's their top baby face. You know, Roman Reigns is the top baby face and the top heel. Sami Zayn is probably right up there. And then you got Cody and I'm not going to deny that Cody is super over, but man, like the whole thing is him going to, you know, chase Roman for the title and they already had him lose again. I'm just like, I just don't get it. Dusty lost the big one. Typically always, right? Typically always like when it came for the world title. Like he has a couple of those wins and then like stuff he would do the dusty finishes and you know he always book heels strong, always. Uh Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, that's Dusty Rhodes booking. I, I don't get it. I, there's nothing that they're doing right now that doesn't tell me that it wouldn't have been better with Cody as the champion. There At the go. same time, Cody's super over. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the house show numbers lately though? I are are they down? They're starting to slip. Okay. 
We're starting to slip. They're not, believe me, they're better than they were a yeah. year ago. But from where yes. they were in the winter, and again, maybe yeah. that's seasonal. Maybe it's seasonal. Maybe it's nothing. That could be a bellwether, though, for what happens. I mean, ratings are better than they were last year. They're up in 18 to 49, big time. Um, slipping, you know, they're, they're up a little bit in the in the total demo, but uh, up a good amount, actually. Uh, there's, I'm not sold. I'm not sold this is the move. I don't know if you can keep the Cody-Roman thing hot enough, especially because Ro- the chinks in Roman's armor have already started to slip with the Usos. And I know that we were talking with Muse. Muse thought for sure that they were going to go Cody in SummerSlam. I don't see it right now. No, not especially after he lost to Brock. I mean, maybe they could go Cody and Seth at SummerSlam because Seth has the has the bronze title. He's got the bronze medal right now. Um, yeah. the, the the WWE World Heavyweight Championship that has the lineage from 2002 to 2012 um, that was created because Roman Reigns can't be beat, which is which is pretty funny to me. Um, I'm you know, I I think at SummerSlam and th- look and this is caveat this is coming from a guy that just watches the ple's and i listen to i listen to podcasts and i read the observer newsletter so take this take this for what you will huge grain of salt huge grain of salt um i think at SummerSlam it's going to be roman and solo sokoa versus the usos and that's going to be the main event um i could be wrong about that i'm wrong a lot (laughs) but that's what i think it's going to be and then the co-main event is going to be cody and seth because they never really finished their story because it was, you know, Cody and Cody wrestled Seth in that Hell in a Cell match uh, when he had the torn pack, and then the night the night afterwards when they went to go shake hands, Seth attacked him. So there's still a beef there that they could close the loop on. I think they go they go from Seth to Brock. They do Brock and Seth for a little bit, and then they get back to Cody and Seth. Um, and I, I just don't know what they do with Roman, and I don't know who beats Roman. Um, the whole thing is just puzzling to me. Um, yeah, I, I I think I'm with everybody else on this. Um, Cody, Cody absolutely should have beaten Roman, but is what it is. Especially because he did that thousand day as champion thing. And then you have him in a tag team match that day. Like, yeah. Again, the customer is happy, right? Yes. So it's working, but you can, you can sit again, same with AEW. You can sit there and say the show worked, but the build wasn't great. And after time that starts to erode. I think maybe we're starting to see that a bit because it takes like, it takes a while for bad creative to catch up. People will watch, look at WCW. We're both WCW fans. WCW sucked for a long time before the company went completely down the shitter. Right. And I'm not saying WWE. Well, I always think WWE sucks. I don't like the company, but (laughs) um, it sure seems like that we're booking ourselves. We're booked into a little bit of a corner. Maybe Triple H can get us out of it. But I don't know, man. Seeing your beloved hero lose in this promotion, in this promotion, doesn't happen a lot consistently. And Cody's gotten his ass kicked consistently. It's just, I don't know, the guy's lost in three pay-per-views in a row. I just... Well, he he beat Brock. He beat Brock at Backlash. Oh, he did beat Brockett back. He, he did, yeah. He so the, right. so they're doing the so, and I think that he'll win the next match. So, um, the the dog collar match. Yeah, you're right. right? He pinned him. Yeah. Oh yeah, he oh he fluked it. That's right. He got the fluke win. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. He, he, look- he pinned him during the Kimura. Yeah, he pinned him while he was in a Kimura. I forgot. That's yeah. right. Certainly not booked to be. I don't know. Like, I 
This is the Hulk Hogan company. This is the John Cena company. This is the Steve Austin company. Yeah. This is not, it doesn't feel like that right now. And you could sort of tell me, well, it's something different. It's something different. It, it maybe, maybe it'll work forever where your big top ABVs will just keep losing over and over again. Like, it's so funny. He wants to be dusty and it's like, uh, you know how that ended, right? Yeah. He, he ended up going to New York and wearing polka dots. <laughs> because he kept booking finishes that had his baby faces look stupid and lose. I don't know, man. I don't know. So I was yeah. AEW. I did return to him too, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. WWE fan, so I'm not the best person to to ask these things. Well, um, Night of Champions was awesome, by the way. Um, I know some people did not like the main event, but that crowd was so on fire for Sami Zayn and they had so much fun. Did they, they open a blowtorch so on them? Did they actually do they actually like burn people alive? <laughs> yeah. Is that what they were doing? No, no, Sammy came out wearing oh. um like her traditional white like robe and garb and he spoke Arabic. And dude, they were just super, super into it. I, it was kind of like the Puerto Rico crowd. That's how that's how crazy they were for Sammy. And I was really happy for Sammy to get like a moment because yeah, cool. he had the Montreal moment. And mm-hmm. he, you know, he got to go to Mecca and he got to do a lot of stuff, you know, in that part of the world he's never that's been able awesome. to do before. Mm-hmm. So um, like he came into that country kind of like a hero now that Saudi Arabia and Syria have kind of mended fences. He's allowed into that country now. And they treated him like he was a hero. And I, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is way, this is way more than I ever thought it was going to be. So uh, I, I thought they did a really good job with that main event. And um, I had a lot of fun watching it, but again, I don't, I don't, I treat WWE like I treat big boxing matches. Like I'm not watching everything and I only mm-hmm. watch the, the most important stuff, the top stuff. And that's kind of what I did. I, I watched that match and, um and a few others and uh because i only watched what i thought was going to be good i ended up really enjoying it and those the saudi arabian crowds are getting really hot for those matches man yeah it was a great moment for sammy i mean like he's probably one of the highest profile muslim athletes in the world it's definitely in the world of wrestling well definitely in wrestling yeah absolutely like really cool for him to have that like it's been a career year for him really has Mm -hmm. like um it's awesome to see too, because like for a long time, he was like inarguably probably the best, probably the best independent professional wrestler in the world. And he's always been over here, but he never really kind of got to that next level. And he really has. And he just did it on his personality. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool story. And that's the best thing that WWE has done. I don't think anybody would ever argue that for, for a minute. Right. Yeah. Like he, Roman Reigns really made him a star. Like a star. A st- we use yeah. the term star a lot in wrestling, right? But Sami Zayn is a star he's because of be, his association. He's going to be an enduring star, too. Yeah. He's going to be one of the guys that's around mm-hmm. for the next 20 years, you know? Um, a guy who might not be around and someone that's probably the opposite of good, Bray Wyatt, might be returning soon. Um, there are several leakers. Uh, Apparently there's leakers from the WWE staff that are leaking on Reddit and Twitter and they have some private Colonel? Twitter accounts and stuff like that. They have some private Twitter accounts and stuff like that. So um, I, I I don't know who is doing it, but it's gotten out that uh, Bray Wyatt is most likely going to be returning soon. Now this idiot, zero news, right? X-E-R-O. He just makes shit up. Okay, so I... Let's just caveat that zero news has zero sources and has had zero stories. Um, other than I think the cheese board guy, Alfred has fed him a couple <laughs> ones just to, because they like to troll Sean Ross app. 
And I think that's funny, by the way. Like yes. if they're just feeding, if they're feeding a troll account breaking news stories just so Sean Rossap has to cite him, I think that's kind of hilarious. But that be that as it may, be that as it may. Um, he he said, and again, he's saying that um that Bray Wyatt and Cody might be the next program. And God help WWE if that's the case. I may never watch again. Well, you see that magic touch that Bray Wyatt has with every baby face he works with. They all wind up in a fantastic position. Seth Rollins took three years to get back to where, four years to get back to where he was (laughs) when they started working together. So, you know, that's always great. Bray Wyatt is the kiss of death for anyone that wants to. Like, look at LA Knight. LA Knight is over, but nobody can do anything. They can't do anything with the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the whole thing is absolutely crazy to me. I don't. If Cody does work with Bray, I, he just can't. He just can't. Like no. that cannot be a real. That cannot be a real story. It's so out of the blue and it's so away from finishing the story thing. I just it can't. It can't be real. I reached out and I asked someone. Bray coming back. And his exact words to me were, who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I kind of left it at that. It's just um, who that's like, this is, you know, this is a guy in the company. He's like, I I don't even know anymore. So maybe he's coming back tomorrow. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's Bray Wyatt. And is that now here's another question. Is Bray Wyatt better that way in like super small doses where he goes away for a while? What was the, in Memphis, they had um, roughhouse Fargo. You've heard the stories about yeah, Roughhouse Fargo. Yeah, yeah, Roughhouse Fargo. He was just he was he was the crazy Fargo brother from the mental institution that whenever the when Jackie Fargo needed a tag team partner or Jackie and Don Fargo they needed a tag team partner, they would break Roughhouse out of the institution and he would come in once a year and it would always pop a territory, it always pop a rating. Um they they you know that could, he could be your Roughhouse Fargo type of guy where he just comes in one once or twice a year and has a match or I guess undertaker might be a better, might be a better example of that. You know, you know, late forties undertaker, maybe he could do stuff like that. Um, difference was, and you may not agree with this. I always felt like 40 year old undertaker had some pretty good matches at WrestleMania once a year. Um, oh, I didn't always get, you know, yeah, they would always get like, you know, you know, anywhere from four to four and a half stars every single year. I just don't know that brace capable of that. Um, if he is, he's like, you know, he's just not doing it. And I know he, you know, people like to cite the one good match that he had with Daniel Bryan as proof that he can have really good matches. I don't want to be the one to tell you this. That was Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson is one of the best that's ever done it. Of course he had a good match with Bryan Danielson. Um, so I would just get that out of your head right now. But um find, find I, me a I time that Bryan Danielson has had a bad match, like a real bad match. Where people are like, oof. Like Adam Cole and Chris Jericho are very good wrestlers. They had a bad match this past weekend. Yeah. Find me a time where you can say, you know, Danielson just wasn't on that night. Mm-mm. It's never happened. No, no, not in, uh, not in a long time anyway. Yeah. Uh, Impact News, Jordan Grace, uh, she is currently a free agent. Um, she finished up her commitments with Impact. She was on the show tonight, actually. Um, but you know, they, they tape, they taped over the weekend, but I think that she's, she finished there at the tapings. That doesn't mean that she's not going to stick around. I don't think she's sticking around. I mean, she's, she's got to be on that debut episode of collision, right? Well, supposedly there's one more surprise left and my brain initially went to uh money, but she's got a broken ankle or something like that. So she's hurt. So yeah, cannot be her. Um, 
I think Jordan Grace is time to move on from Impact, right? Mm-hmm. She's oh, yeah. very good, and she's done. She's been there four years, five years, five. Like that. five. Yeah. That's a long time to stay in Impact, right? Yeah. Like just with this, I, I don't mean that's a bad thing. I mean like it's a small roster, and especially in the knockout side. How, how many times can we watch her and Diana? You know, I, I think they've wrestled four or five times on pay per view, and Jordan's never won. You know, and she just. The match that she just had, it was a very good match, but she lost the match. And the stipulation was she could never challenge for the title again as long as Deanna's champion. So um, I think they kind of wrote her off with that, despite the fact that she was on the show tonight. I mean, she's finished. No, she could always go back. I mean, I suppose she could yeah. resign with them. But I mean, like, I really feel like it's time for her to move on to something else. Um, AEW makes sense because she's got so many other things she's interested in, the bodybuilding, and, you know, she does her own. I forget. I know it's not OnlyFans, but it's like she does like some type of um, online. I don't know online community She's, type of deal. She shows people her butthole. I think is what it is. Is that what is that? Is she one of those? <laughs> I, I think I don't know. But she oh, does have know. an OnlyFans. I don't. Is it OnlyFans? OnlyFans? Okay, I wasn't sure. Well, I thought it was. Well, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll ask Lucha Doncic about that. I'm sure oh, he, he would know. Yeah, he would know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I know she's got her own thing. She makes a lot of money on the side, and maybe she doesn't is interested in, in going the WWE route. She doesn't need the performance center. Right. And they typically yeah. only bring in people who know what they're doing in the performance center to help everyone else get better. Unless you're dragon Lee, he seems to be the, the exception to the rule. Um, I don't, I think, I think her and AEW makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, and they, you know, they were talking about the roster split between a dynamite and collision. And one of the things was like most women are going to go back and forth because they don't have a big enough female roster to warrant a split, a split female roster. They just don't have enough to where you can have the TBS championship on Wednesday and the AEW women's championship on Saturday. They don't have an, enough, enough uh, women to go around. I mean, of course they could just get rid of the ring of honor women's division and just make that you know, one, one of those shows, but Tony is hell bent on making that work for some reason. Yeah. But I, I, I think because they're looking at expanding the roster, um, especially on that side of it, grace to, or grace to AEW makes all the sense in the world. And you're right. She's, she's wrestled everybody so many times in impact. They need to freshen that division up. They need to freshen their roster up. They have, they freshen it up every six months. She just happens to have been there for five years. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to to go find a new territory. And then you could always come back. Look, look yeah. who was on the show tonight. Nick Aldis was on the show tonight. That's you true. leave and you, you can always come back. Oh, Impact will always welcome you back with open arms. Even if they murder you on television or send you to prison, you always come back. You always come back. Um, yeah. I I think that there's enough interesting stuff for her. In AEW, like I'm, her and Jamie Hader would be a really good match. Her and Tony Storm, really good match. Her and Britt yeah. Baker would be pretty good. She carried Britt Baker to a good match. I'm pretty pretty sure of that. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Jordan Grace is awesome, and she's yeah. different over there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have any female bodybuilders over there. No, they don't. Everyone there kind of has a similar, but with the exception of Willow, has a similar build. Mm-hmm. And Jordan is different than everybody. She had a great promo, but she's got charisma, right? Well, and she's worked television for five years straight. That's right? true. You know what I mean? And she's done she's done the backstage skits. She cuts promos. She does all the matches. She's done hardcore matches. You know, she's mm-hmm. been a tag team champion. She she literally, you could plug and play her anywhere. Um, she's been a headliner, and she's been the first match. She's done everything in Impact. 
she's someone that shows up in AEW tomorrow and she's a contender for their title. And they're the thing about the AEW fan base is they're all gonna know who Jordan Mike's just Mike's desk right. just collapsed upon us. Um <laughs> she could show up tomorrow and everyone's gonna know who she is. So she could be a world title contender immediately. And quite frankly, I don't think there's enough people on that roster that could be that tomorrow. Like because realistically, yeah. who without Jamie Hayter, who is a world title contender in AEW? Sheeta? Yeah, maybe. I mean, Baker? Yeah. Like that's it. Like real and mm-hmm. they got like Willow is someone who they just haven't gotten behind yet. Maybe they will in time, but she's got this new Japan strong thing that they, they're gonna make work until you know money comes back. Uh I don't know who else is, is ready to be it's not Jade. Maybe they'd love they would love it to be Jade, but it's not Jade. Mm-hmm. Like no. who, who else is there? It's not you know, they got Athena, but Athena's the Ring of Honor champion. They're not gonna they're not gonna cannibalize that. So And that's working. Yeah. Like that's yeah. actually she's actually an interesting part of those shows in Ring of Honor. So who who is an you know and again Jordan would be a babyface and she's a good babyface too mm-hmm. like it make and the only reason I would have poo pooed this six months ago was it seemed like Jonathan Gresham had a very um, unharmonious split with AEW but he gave an interview probably about two months ago where he pretty much owned up to everything that went wrong in that relationship as being his fault. Which I thought was very interesting at the time. Yeah. You know, where, you know, again, he's he's in therapy. He's being very introspective. Like, I thought that was really cool to read. Like, him to go, you know what? I was taking things too seriously. I was too high strung. My bad. That seems to be like a nice thing to say if you're looking for your wife to get a nice six-figure paycheck. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's very nice of Gresham to do. It's very nice to eat shit so that way your your wife can have a job. Like it's very Bro, to do. we're we're all <laughs> married. We would all do the yep. exact same thing uh, given one hundred percent. A hundred percent. Eat that um, shit sandwich with a smile to get my wife a six-figure contract, <laughs> not a problem. Um, Fightful Select reported today that Moose is about to hit free agency again uh, with with Impact. Moose is a guy they just keep resigning on these two year deals. I get the feeling that he's going to get another two year deal. I don't think the AEW audience would accept him because of his uh, his DV arrest. Now, no, to be clear, the charges were dropped and he was never convicted of anything. But he did have an arrest. That's a difference, right? Mm-hmm. So you got you when you say that part about him, you then have to follow it up with charges were dropped. He was never convicted. Yada yada yada. Seemed to have moved on. Whatever. Um, so I don't think that the AEW audience would accept him. He's also, you know, 40 now. Um, still in very good shape, still a tremendous athlete. He has really good matches. He's a really good promo. Um, him and Don Callis would be a great combo. Honestly, they really would. I think they would look great together. I just don't see the AEW audience being okay with that. Um, WWE, WWE is not exactly expanding their roster right now. And again, he's 40. Um, he's not exactly a spring chicken. You know what I mean? WWE passed on Moose years ago too. They for did. the same for the same reason because of the DV yeah. charge. Yeah. I you know? I look, I think I think Moose is, you know, that's Moose is another guy. He's done everything in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a, a big enough male roster that turns over every six months to where you can keep things interesting for Moose if you really apply yourself. Since he's lost the title in that promotion, he has not had really anything that he could sink his teeth into. He's had Agreed. some good matches here and there. But once he dropped the title, he became kind of background fodder. 
Um, they they signed him to the two-year deal. They pushed him immediately to the title. Um, he had really good title matches. He had that great title match with Josh Alexander. And then ever since then, he's just been doing, you know, onesie twosie feuds here and there. He had a match with Sally, Sammy Callahan. He he's done a bunch of multiple person matches and battle royals and stuff like that. So um I I think if they resign him, you're probably gonna see him get pushed again for the next year and then they'll put him right back in the background. But I, I think that um I think impact's the only place that he'll go. I, I kind of agree. Hey, remember the time we interviewed him, asked him about his new contract, and he's like, <laughs> I didn't sign anywhere. <clears throat> and yeah. we were like, okay, moving right along. And then he did another <laughs> podcast like an hour later talking about how he had just resigned his contract. Yeah. So he just felt like well, messing with us. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he was just busting our balls. It's yeah. like, you know, and kudos, but <laughs> yeah, agree, agree. appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. No. I just think, I think you're right. I think the, the charge. Like, especially with AEW. Like I said, they made it CM Punk for a steel throw on a chair. Like, that's yeah. a that's another level up, man. And again, like you said, never went, you know, charges are dropped, but he was arrested. Same with WWE. They seem to be in a hiring freeze. And like you said, he's 40. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a great time for him to be a, a free agent, in all honesty. No, no. And if you look at AEW's roster, so even if he didn't have that DV charge... Look, if you take a look at their roster, they're stacked. Yeah. I, I, I think a dark horse could be New Japan. You know, New J- every time New Japan has had Moose on the show, they have treated him like he's a big star. They've put him over and they put him in big time matches. And New Japan doesn't care. Um, this isn't he isn't Marty Skrull, right? There's a difference, right? Moose is say what you want, nothing. Nothing really happened like after the you know the charges were dropped. So that's in in the United States. That's it. And yeah. we're talking about Japan here. They don't yeah. care about those kind of things. Now people can laugh and say Moose in New Japan. Look at how he's been booked on those strong cards, mm-hmm. right? They like Moose, and I was going to suggest that too. Like I don't think he's going to work in the G one or nothing like that. But I could see it. I could see New Japan maybe picking him up, maybe kicking the tires on Moose. I mean. I don't know if they're offering full-time deals for guys in right now either who are 40, but it would not surprise me if they, if we saw Moose do some more independent stuff and I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Maybe doing some tours over there. Um, G G one. I would be interested in seeing Moose in the G one, but I am a lot higher on Moose than a lot of other people are. I I think he's great. He is good. He's a good professional wrestler, but I don't, I don't know if they would use a spot on Moose in the G1, mainly because they haven't, mm-hmm. right? Remember, about a year ago, we were we were speculating on who would be Impact's representative in the G1. Turns out it was nobody. <laughs> um, and we, yeah. we debated it because I said, you said it would be Josh. I said they would never use Josh because he's a champion. We both came up with Moose would be the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now, I mean, especially because Bailey's been termed a junior over there and you don't, you just don't do both, right? Yeah. But, so well, I still, what do you think? Well, so I, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. I think he, no. I fully believe he's going to sign with impact. Agreed. However, however, yeah. if he were to sign with new Japan, new Japan, isn't exactly overloaded with Gaijin talent right now. They lost Jay white. They lost Juice mm-hmm. Robinson. They just lost Ozzy open, right? They still have Will Ospreay, but Will Ospreay is headed for free agency at the end of the year. And I have a good suspicion that Will Ospreay is probably going to go to AEW. He um, just said just he's gonna. Guess. He just said he's gonna resign with New Japan. Are you telling me a professional wrestler could be lying? 
Uh, JD, I think what just happened when he said that is that his bank account went a little bit higher as soon as he said that because now he's a he's ne- it's a negotiation tactic. Um, mm-hmm. And look, look, Pac has been with AEW since day one. Pac has not moved to the states. No, that's Will, true. Will Osprey, Will Osprey could have the same deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he could still do his indie dates there in the UK, and then he can come he can come to uh, AEW, you know, a couple times a month. I believe all the luchadors in AEW, with the exception of Ray Phoenix, all live in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, and AEW, they typically run. You know, anytime they're outside of Texas, anyway, they typically run on the East Coast, which is not the craziest flight in the world. You know, London to the East Coast. So mm-hmm. um, Tony Khan does that all the time. I believe Pac would actually hitch a ride with him on the yeah. uh, on uh, Tony's private jet. I believe that was the stories we heard. Um, yeah, there's not. But at the same time, like, why didn't they sign Aussie Open, right? I don't – because the answer, by the way, is cash, right? Yeah. It's easier to pay these guys per date than to sign them to a contract. And if they go, they kind of go. At least with AEW, you can still kind of use them a little bit, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> I don't know because they were talking about during the dark days of the pandemic that New Japan was pretty close to shuttering because they just mm-hmm. weren't making any money. So I don't know if they have – if they can offer Moose a full-time deal, that would be what Impact could give them to stick around. And I assume Impact wants him to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume, I mean, Scott Demore trained him. Scott Demore has been his agent this whole time. And mm-hmm. he's also the president of Impact. I get the feeling he's sticking around. So yeah, Moose ain't um, why lastly, go? Yeah. Why go if you're Moose? Why would you leave? Say, and same thing with Eddie Edwards, right? Eddie Edwards, Eddie ain't going anywhere. He, he put on about 20 pounds lately. Russell's in a t-shirt still has really good matches and he just got to pay raise just resigned a deal he's uh he's in for another couple of years i could see just moose and eddie just kind of hanging around they just like it here mm-hmm. and, and you know what if you get a good gig stick with it right like uh you know and they, they got a good gig the raw ro- the roster refreshes every six months they get fresh new opponents all the time just stick with it they're they're part of that you know like uh, what Down Callis used to say, like, look, we just want to get our top eight. Like New Japan had their top eight, and mm-hmm. they would just bring people in and out. That's kind of what Impact does. They have, you know, they have like their top fifteen, right? And then everybody else is on these little six month deals. Nick Aldis, Trinity, they'll they'll come in for six months and then they'll go off somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think it could work. It could work fine. Like again, is yeah. is. And a part of the reason we didn't do we don't do an impact show anymore. So I think the the creative is not fantastic in the company right now. Maybe that's changing. I'm not watching. I can't speak to it. But um, if you're Moose, it's a good deal. It's a good yeah. deal. I think he sticks. So tonight on Impact, I watched a little bit of it. I'm gonna have to finish it later tonight. But uh, Killer Kelly and uh, Masha Slamovich are preparing for a dog collar match at Against All Odds, and the video for the buildup of that match is you have to see it. I will. It is, in, it is incredible. It's um, Killer Kelly and a dog collar yes. match. I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just, just saying, just I'm, a I, warning. <laughs> just, I did. Yeah, sold. I'm sold. I, uh, I was critical yeah. on, on everything impacted, but when Killer Kelly was on screen, <laughs> it was always worth my time. Always. Um, speaking of not worth your time, uh, Billy Corgan says that if you don't like Tyrus, you aren't a wrestling fan. So, JD, I would like to take this time to address the audience, and I want to address you personally, uh, and I want to address my family, and I want to miss something. I'm not a fucking wrestling fan. So, if that's the, the barrier, says the guy in the superstar, superstar Billy Graham shirt. <laughs> uh, 
with, with a, a Ric Flair painting behind me that my wife painted me for my birthday years ago. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just want to say that I'm not a wrestling fan anymore because if that's the barrier of entry, I, I do not meet that uh, requirement. So I would like to apologize to to all the faithful out there. He makes it so hard to be a Smashing Pumpkins fan sometimes. <laughs> like, uh, if they didn't rock, you know, if like Zero so wasn't good. so badass. Oh, I know Zero's a great. <laughs> to be fair, they have not put out a good album since 1996. I think. Maybe? Um. Yeah. You know what? Uh, when was no? Because Mel- you had Melancholy, and then you had Ava Adore after that. Oh, I liked Ava Adore. Yeah, I liked Ava Adore. Yeah, and then what was the one? I think they had one after that that had a couple of hits, but uh, he had but the Swan the, thing. Swan was pretty. Swan decent. was terrible. No, I thought uh, it was you liked okay. it. I thought it was okay. I, I didn't really care for it. And then they had the Smashing Pumpkins Doomsday Clock album that come out, and I think they used the Doomsday Clock song as the entrance to a TNA pay per view back in the day. If I'm did remembering this, somebody, somebody, shout out Garrett Kidney. He probably knows this, but was this, I did not like that. Billy, was this when Billy was running TNA? No, this is before. This is prior because one of the early lockdown pay-per-views, Billy did the intro for lockdown. He did, you know, bullet with butterfly wings, you know, despite Mm. I'm a rage. I'm still just erratic. Yeah, he did did that one. Yeah. So, and then later they did a doomsday clock one with, you know, they got the rights from Billy because Billy was just a big wrestling fan. That was not a good song or a good album. And I think the album was called Zeitgeist or something like that. I I can't remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not a great album. Yeah. Oofda, it was it was bad. Yeah. And he doesn't even he's still doing stuff. He doesn't even sound good now. Like, do you hear that? He just put an article. He's been saying a lot of weird shit lately. He just put an article saying he cried for Kurt Cobain because he had lost his greatest nemesis. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm a big fan. But you don't get to put yourself on Kurt Cobain. I mean, I love Billy Corgan's music when I was in high school. (sighs) Me too. The pumpkins weren't Nirvana. They weren't. Maybe there there were I think I think. Like as I got a little bit older, like I preferred Pumpkins to Nirvana at. Oh, times. I always did. I but always I can't. Did. I can't sit here and tell you that Pumpkins were even no, near the level of Nirvana. They weren't even close. But one dude, one time, uh, he I think he was on Howard Stern and he was talking about Kurt Cobain. And this was probably a decade ago. And he goes, "Well, um, if um, oh, he said something, he goes, if uh, if Nirvana was Led Zeppelin, then the Smashing Pumpkins were the Doors." I'm just like Billy. Come on, Billy, what are we doing? The biggest rivals in um, alternative rock, we'll leave metal aside, right? So the biggest competitors to Nirvana back in the Pearl day Jam. was Pearl Jam. And then and then you had you had Soundgarden was up there, you had Stone mm-hmm. Temple Pilots. I think I think if you put pumpkins, you know, in you could put them in that mix, but it was Nirvana, it was Pearl Jam, and then behind them you had you, then everybody else can fight for number three. You had your pumpkins, your Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains was right up there. They were very mm-hmm. popular, you know, Blind Melon, all these guys. So yeah, Mud Honey, you, all those guys. But great, it was and, yeah, yeah, and they were different because again, those were all Seattle scene. Like, and the pumpkins were in Chicago because Chicago had its own scene that they were the kings of like again if, if we're comparing there like nirvana with the beatles and pearl jam with the stones right yeah. that's just that's just how it was and like i mean realistically it's don't tell the pilots is probably the doors if that's if this is where you're going <laughs> like yeah. the, the, the and i love the pumpkins they're one of my favorite bands growing up but i mean like Billy was, I mean, like the pumpkins were not on Nirvana's level. They just weren't like, no, no. no. Melancholy came out after Cobain died. 
Way after. Well, not way after. I mean, <laughs> it like, was a like, couple years. Was like yeah, two Cobain years. died I mean, in like, 94 and Melancholy came out in 96. So like Siamese Dream was not like this huge smashing success, right? Like uh, before that. Today's it was a good big. Song. Today was a good and that was one of the top videos. Yeah. And Siamese Dream, I love that album, but it wasn't you know, like the, it was a like a crazy not, smashing mind. success. No. It doesn't it's not even versus. come close. It's not no. 10. You know, it's no. No. <laughs> and again, they were big. They were very big. The pumpkins are big. They're still around, mm-hmm. sort of. Like Yeah. And I love them, by the way. Me too. Like but if they came and I tweeted at them recently, come to Hawaii. I want to see you guys, you know. Um, because I'm do you getting, I do. I'm getting back into concerts again. I you know, a couple months ago I saw Jimmy Eat World. I'm getting ready to see Thrice coming up. I'm a big Thrice True. fan, so they're doing artists in the ambulance, uh, the album. They're just doing that whole album front to back, and that's it. And I'm like, good, because that was the only album I liked. I haven't so. been to a concert in decades. Last con- last band I saw in concert was Cheap Trick. Dude, I I at the Jimmy Eat World show, um, I stood there for 90 minutes, and I'm 40 now. And my knees were hurting so bad. And I had so much trouble walking to my car afterwards. It was it was awful. So I, I wish somebody will come to play and I can sit in a chair. That would be helpful. I take that back. I went, I took my kid just this year to see Hairball, which was a uh, a uh, 80s cover band that played a big uh, venue here in, in Rockford. That's, so that's that was fun. fun. But as far as like a real band, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. But hey, uh, guys. Well, by the way, I think- please- Billy's an idiot. You can hate oh. Tyrus. He's fucking awful. You know, yeah, Tyrus sucks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but hey, guys, uh, be sure to check out JD's Substack. We're going to have it in the show notes. And uh, and uh, that's going to do it for us this week. And until next week, mahalo. Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.